Hello and welcome to Backflips and Nerds, the baseball podcast with a British twist. I am your host, John McGee. Joining me this evening for a conversation and some debate about the infant baseball season are the human spreadsheet, Darius Austin. Hello. Hello, yeah. I was trying to see if I could get a rise out of you, but you are, as ever, impassive. I think you, you need to be a bit more... I think I think it's probably at least the fifth time I've been called the human spreadsheet on this podcast, so... Oh, God. Look, I'm tired. <laughs> give, give, me a, give me a break. I thought you were just looking for an impassive reaction from you as the, you know, the, the Dexter of this podcast. Um, <laughs> and uh, the Detroit Tigers budding ace, Ben Carter. How are you, Ben? Yeah, very good, thanks. Lot more generous to me than you as Darius. Well, yeah, you know, spreadsheet man. Yeah, well, look, I mean, he's, he's no Russell. Uh, I mean, that that man's the human computer. Darius, Darius is uh, is merely a computer program. Just um, a piece of software. Yeah, just a piece of software. And you know, look, he he hasn't thrown a strike from the mound in uh, in Lakeland, Florida. So, and you have. That's right. And it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware of that, Ben. <laughs> uh, so there's a reason Doug Fister got paid year after year after year, despite despite not having any other skills. Uh, I mean, Wade Miley, still a major league pitcher. So there you go. Um, so we're going to get into the new baseball season in a moment. But first up, I wanted to apologise for there being no podcast last week. You were probably awaiting your British baseball fix with bated breath and thinking, where are those idiots giving us their hot takes on what's happened so far? That There was a really good reason for it. We did have a podcast lined up where we were hoping to get a, another special guest onto the podcast. And unfortunately, uh, timing conspired against us and our new friend was unable to join us. Suffice to say, we are hopeful of securing that individual later in the year and I can tell you that it will be super exciting as and when that does happen. So keep an eye out for it. Um, we'll come on to the baseball in a sec, but I wanted to talk to you, Ben, about your your little trip, your um, your debut for the Detroit Tigers um, and get into a little bit about why you were out there because people were a little bit confused and bemused that, that you were out there having the time of your life. I think they thought you'd, you'd, you'd paid for it or you'd got a Make-A-Wish Foundation or something like that. <laughs> um, but... The, the curtain has been drawn back somewhat with the announcement of MLB Softball 60. And um, that, that was why you were out there. So do you want to tell people a little bit about Softball 60, first of all, and then tell us tell us what fun you did have? Yeah, so um, I guess to start off uh, on the Softball 60 end, as people who saw the announcement or read any of the stuff that come out around it have seen, it's um, a sort of social softball tournament that uh, MLB's London office are running this year, uh, they ran it last year too, actually, uh, among corporate companies. But this year, they're opening up sort of public participation and they're inviting people to enter teams. Uh, it's unisex, boys and girls. Uh, it's running in four different locations around London every week on a Tuesday or Wednesday evening for, uh, I think it's about six weeks, with the sort of finals day culmination of the event taking place before the London is in June. Um, I actually played in it last year with the company that I work for, and it was really good fun. Um, a lot of people who never played before kind of picked up a bat and had a go and it was nice to see them get stuck in and, and whilst it's not your sort of traditional entry into the game of baseball I think what the, the office is realizing is that it's it's a way to do it and they give out a ton of free kit and free equipment and you get a bit of training and at the end of it there's this big party so it's actually really good fun for 
for baseball fans and players like me and you, but also for people who don't really understand the game but just want to have a laugh with their mates uh, on a weekday evening during the summer. So, yeah, if anyone out there fancies entering a team, I can definitely recommend it. And obviously the reason I was in Florida was because um, for some unknown reason, uh, MLB London have asked us uh, as a podcast to enter a team of um, so-called superstars uh, to <laughs> participate. So obviously the four of us, I think, are all pretty excited to to get stuck in. The location might be tricky for a few of us, but we've reached out to other people to hopefully hop onto our team and compete. And, and it'll be interesting, I think, at least. Um, but yeah, if anyone out there is interested in playing either with us or, or on a team of their own, then do do get in touch and do look at that form. Um, but yeah, to, in terms of Florida, that all very much came out of the blue, I think, for all of us, because obviously we were told about the tournament and, and they basically said we're looking to take a few of the team captains out to Florida to see how the pros do it. Um, and by pure chance, none of you lot were free enough to go out to Florida. <laughs> so by, uh, I guess, process of elimination, it was like, Ben, it's you or no one. And I wasn't about to turn down a free ticket to uh, spring training, even if it was with the Tigers. So um, that's how I ended up out there. And yeah, it was brilliant. We did some sort of training and playing. You might have seen like some of the stuff I put up on Twitter and Instagram of us hitting balls around and stuff. And we then had a chance to do like a full tour of the Detroit Tigers spring training facility, which was fantastic. Um, and that after that was when we were told literally at 1 p.m. on the dot, by the way, guys, you're about to go and throw the first pitch. Um, <laughs> so breaking it, I was, if you could tell, uh, especially because everyone was like, oh, Ben, you're the baseball player. You'll be great at this. Um, and anyone who's ever seen me pitch will know throwing strikes is not my forte. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was great fun getting out there, throwing the pitch and then obviously watching the game. Um, we were actually filming some sort of cool content for the MLB London channels, which I, I think will be coming out in the coming days and weeks. So if you want to see me make a tit of myself on camera, then you're in for a treat. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great fun. It all went by very quickly in a few days, but, um, just lucky really to be invited out there and, and to do it. And I know a few other guys in the British community got out to spring training and, and it is good fun, a lot more relaxed atmosphere, I imagine, than, during the regular season, we had pretty good access to the coaches and the players and stuff. Um, so, yeah, an absolute blast and uh, excited to to play a bit of softball and, and hopefully win a tournament as the Batflips and Nerds team. Yeah, so guys, if, if you're listening and, and you want to hand us our arse, you can uh, you can get on there. There's there's a link on the MLB London series Twitter and Instagram accounts. And um, I am absolutely shocking at softball and baseball. Uh, I cannot hit a lick. So uh, uh, if I'm, I, I'm, I know that you were better than me, Ben, and I'm assuming that Tom is even worse. Uh, like he must be. He, I, I don't think I could cope if he isn't. Um, and Darius, you played a bit in the past, but I, I don't. I don't fancy our chances. But we'll we'll talk a good game. I'll definitely be um, bringing the heat uh, uh, from the mound in in terms of what comes out of my mouth, if not uh, <laughs> from, from my arm. Your staging is 80 grade. And everything else is twenty. Is, is that yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, 80, eighty grade sledging, absolutely. So I've got, I've got, I've got a question for you about this, Ben. Given that, given that you are our our team captain, Tom has, by the way, appointed himself as our manager. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing him as a Ned Yost figure. It's <laughs> looking. Um, are we, are we going to play as the Mets? I'm assuming it's a gimme, right? Well, this, this is going to cause some heated debate, I imagine, because the way that obviously this tournament set up, each team takes on. A major league baseball franchise and you get set a load, sent a load of kit to wear um last year my team were the angels despite my protestations i thought it'd be cool to be the brewers because i like their logo 
um, and I also love beer, lad. Um, but <laughs> I think between the four of us and between other people on our team, trying to choose one team to represent will be tricky. But um, I will certainly be vouching hard for the Rockies slash Mets to be our team of choice. But uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to find an agreement on that one. Well, have we, as we've got a bit of a uniform connoisseur, I'm, I'm sure John has got some opinions on which kit he would most actually like to have aesthetically. Yeah, I've, I've got some pretty strong opinions. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put my first my first hot take of the fledgling MLB season. <laughs> Big fan of the new Marlins gear. Ooh. Very pleasing stuff is that. <laughs> Certainly a lot better than that horror show they've had hitherto. Good work, Derek. First good thing you've ever done in your whole career, including <laughs> as a player. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to stand up and say we definitely have to have the Marlins, but, you know, it could be an outside runner. Um, I mean, if they can give us the, the twin Saturday jerseys, the, the the dark blue with the red and the gold trim, uh, absolutely. That, that's, that's just a straightforward uh, decision, but... I can't see them going the extra mile and paying the extra fiver for that gold piping, and I don't, I don't blame them. <laughs> I think whoever had podcast 110 or whatever this is in the when will John say something nice about the Marlin sweepstake is pretty happy right now. And, yeah. and also Derek Jeter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Derek's been listening every week, gutted as you yeah. lay into him again. Well, um, you know, I still, I still, I still was pretty snide about him in general. <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah, just I imagine the Mo Rivera. I imagine the big teams like the Yankees and Red Sox would be quite popular choices by other people. So maybe we want to be a bit tactical and go for a less popular team to represent. Um, Rockies, hint. Uh, but uh, apart <laughs> from that, I don't really know uh, who is sort of the maybe the least offensive team that everyone would wouldn't feel disgusted to put on the kit of. I mean, I don't want to wear the Rockies kit because it's absolutely awful, mate. I mean, that's bottom five for fonts. We're not going there. That's that's a straightforward veto. I really um, always thought purple was your colour. Yeah, well, it's not, mate. Um, look, there's no arguments about Rockies. Uh, Mets, I'll give you. Um, uh, right, anyway, in, in, enough. Enough about that. Um, so, yeah, if you want more details, check out uh, Softball 60. There's a link through the MLB London Series Twitter account. Um, make sure that you come at us on social media. Uh, we'll give as good as we get, as I'm sure you are expecting. So onto the baseball. Um, if you'll forgive the epithet, what the fuck is going on? We're going to start with a few more of the more lighthearted and interesting aspects of the the, the MLB season to date. Um so let's start with the brawl to end them all. Derek Dietrich versus Chris Archer. Um, obviously dominated by Yasiel Puig. This was uh, Reds Reds and Pirates beef earlier this week. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, Derek Dietrich hit possibly one of the biggest home runs in the history of baseball, uh, right <laughs> into the river, out the back of Three Rivers Stadium, and was rather pleased with himself. I would have been if I'd done it. And um, Chris Archer was rather less pleased and uh, threw, threw the ball behind him. And a rather uncommitted melee ensued, uh, with the exception of our good friend Yasiel Puig, who was, he was out there windmilling. He had the keys in his fist. And he was rolling around, and everyone will have seen the pictures. So... What were your two's take on it? There's been some absolutely appalling 
uh, takes from the Pirates team. Felipe Vasquez out there saying basically Derek Dietrich isn't a good enough player to pimp a home run. He's got to be up there with some of, one of the most bizarre comments that I've seen following a situation like that. I mean, and Archer, what the hell is he doing? Like, the guy is a really good pitcher and like a genuinely likable guy, but sometimes he just gets the red mist and he behaves like a complete prat. I mean, that that for me is basically the the nub of this, isn't it, Ben? Yeah, I think that was the weirdest part of this, was that it was Chris Archer in the middle of it all, because I think we've come to view him as someone who embraces the sort of baseball as a game side of it and, and has fun on the mound and smiles and celebrates. So to see him, as you say, like lose it a little bit um, when Dietrich pimped it was was a bit odd. But I suppose the competitive nature of these guys, they, they probably don't like being shown up in the moment and he wasn't able to to cool off and be rational about it, which is a shame. I don't know if he's come out since with any comments, but I think the actions kind of spoke for themselves and the fact that uh, a weird one. Obviously, the brawl was a bit rubbish apart from Puig taking on literally anyone, including teammates, uh, as is his way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, full credit to Dietrich. That was an absolute bomb and that was one of the best pimp jobs you're likely to see. And he then hit another one into the river in the ninth inning or something too. So that, as far as an individual game goes, to hit two massive home runs and start a fight is is up there. Um, so, yeah, I, I do have to credit Vasquez for that take. It's at least original, saying that if you're not good, you can't actually celebrate your home runs. Yeah, and also I, I was listening to the, the Yahoo MLB podcast on the way home from work this afternoon, and, and Tim Brown made the <laughs> bang to rights point that Derek Dietrich has been in Major League Baseball for longer than Felipe Vasquez. <laughs> so it's like it's not even an accurate take. I mean, he's he's not the greatest player. Darius, have you have you got a sober and together take on on this fast? Well, ob- obviously, it was worth it just for those images of Puig facing off against the entire Pirates <laughs> roster. Uh, that that was terrific. <laughs> <laughs> But generally, yeah, I think if ever a home run deserved to be pimped, surely it was this home run. It, it was a, a beautiful swing. It, and he almost sort of set up that way, a bit like William Zastadio sort of resting on the uh, the end of his bat on one knee, admiring his home run. Yeah. It sort of finished in that way that it, it demanded he watch it. Um, so, yeah, I think if, if you can't just enjoy those moments, then what, what are we really doing here? And uh, yeah, completely agree. It's it's a bit weird that it was Archer. You'd, you'd think he'd be like, yeah, you know what? I do that kind of thing. Mm. Um, we've seen him, I think, just uh, maybe his first or second start of the year. I think he struck somebody out, pumped his fist and then sort of jogged off backwards, slightly moonwalking. <laughs> so I'm, I don't know where he gets off deciding that Derek Dietrich isn't allowed to pimp a home run after doing something like that. Absolutely bizarre. So yeah, throwing at people is stupid, kids. Don't do it. Let people have fun and, and enjoy baseball. Yeah, arguably not even the best home run pimp of the season. Uh, step forward, Mark Sanna, for, for, for that. Uh, it's bat flip season, baby. It definitely is, Mark. Fully agree. <laughs> it's always bat flip season on this podcast. Please come on it. Uh, and let's not forget Bryce and his, uh, I think what uh, effectively Wild pointed out was almost certainly a well-rehearsed bat oh, flip yeah. <laughs> against the Nats. Just yeah. majestic. I bet he planned it right down to the rotations on the bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, let, let's be honest. That that was getting a, a really good marks if he were on Dancing on Ice. But uh, technically, absolutely brilliant. But uh, two-stage managed for me. Too forced. <laughs>
Did you? What did you think of Bryce Ben? I mean, I did. I have to say, when I first watched it, the adrenaline was pumping through my veins. I was like, I am here for this so much. I think it the was. The more and more I watched it, the more I was like, Oh, Bryce, why are you so Bryce? <laughs> yeah, it was a glorious moment, like individually for him. What with the the crowd booing him and then getting struck out by Scherzer a couple of times, and then just to hit it like that. I mean. I think he said before the game, didn't he, how much the city means to him, yabba yabba, you get that from all the former players. But I think, you know, to, to, to hit that and, and have the exclamation point at the end of it was great. We do have to, I think, have a moment of silence for the Nationals Twitter guy who tweeted that kind of like, thank you next, which which went off a little bit after Shirts had struck out Harper, only to go suspiciously quiet later in the game when Harper had three hits, including that massive home run. Uh, <laughs> taking a little bit of flack for, for jumping the gun a little bit there. Um, but yeah, that was that. I think that whole series actually. You don't usually see games that sort of high intense, high intensity this early in the season. So it was quite cool to get those two facing off, yeah. especially with that Harper element in it. So um, yeah, that might be one of the best series of the season so far. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it, it certainly hasn't helped the Phillies, who were who were rather roaring at the time, and uh, have, uh, according to a tweet I saw from Braves UK this morning. Uh, Scored one run uh, to twenty-four uh, against them since 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 there was a apparently since Tuesday when there was a, a Mexican wave at um, Citizens Bank Park, and I'm here to say serves them right. Um, so <laughs> moving moving on from bat flips to to an individual who well let's put it this way hasn't had an opportunity to flip his bat in anger yet more more like slam his bat over his knee um chris davis who is uh setting new records obviously a, a long-term favorite of this podcast for for not the best of reasons 162 million pound man chris davis who as as you will no doubt be aware is now the the owner for the single longest hitler streak in baseball history by a by hitter that is not by a pitcher because of course pitchers hitting is an absolute abomination it should be banned as soon as possible uh yeah chris davis 0 for 52 to start the season uh with a an on-base percentage of 121 good grief darius 162 million dollars sorry well spent right <clears throat> yeah i mean i i do feel terrible for the guy but but when he got uh, right up to that record, uh, Eugenio Velez's over 46 streak. I was kind of like, well, you might as well break it now that you're here, Chris. Um, but I, I am starting to wonder if if it's ever going to happen now. Uh, I think uh, it was uh, Chris Brown, friend of the show, who uh, tweeted out who's going to, is it going to be Davies to get hit first or Trevor Rosenthal to get an out? I believe the consensus was uh, that Rosenthal would do it and, and he did actually finally record one last night. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's kind of sad. Um, really, he's obviously been one of the best power hitters in the game not so long ago, and now it just doesn't look like he knows how to play baseball anymore. Um, I guess the Orioles have nothing to lose; they might as well give him some time to try and figure it out. But at this point, it it kind of seems like he's just done, and uh, I I do wonder how much longer they'll let him go in the lineup, just getting out every single time. Uh, with the occasional walk before they say, you know what, this is a bit sad for you, or, or maybe Chris himself will say, I, I don't really want to do this anymore. Mm. It's funny, I was I was recalling this afternoon the conversation that you and I had near near on a year ago with with Carlos Pena about Chris Davis and how he looked completely shot 
and Carlos was saying like someone needs to get hold of him and tell him get tell him to go back to first principles because his swing is just completely all over the place and his bat is incredibly <clears throat> slow and bat speed was like his thing. And this is now almost a year later and like it's got worse. I mean, is there any rescuing this? It feels like if the Orioles weren't so bad, they'd have cut they'd have cut bait, surely. Even even at hundred million outstanding, you know. This is this is Pablo Sandoval on the Red Sox levels of terrible. Yeah, yeah and we've seen obviously with cases like Sandoval that teams certainly aren't beyond saying, you know, we're gonna cut our losses here. They understand sunk costs. Uh, the new Orioles GM, Michael Elias, is, is not stupid. He he will know that uh, there's no point keeping Davis around just because they've spent money on him. Um, whether the owners feel the same way, of course, is a different matter. And perhaps they're concerned about the optics of having given out that deal and then giving up on him with, I think it's still three more seasons to go, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, yeah that's, uh, I, I can see why they would be perhaps reluctant to do that. But... At, at this point, you feel like he's had a whole off-season to try things. They must have been working with him on stuff. I, I just don't know where it's going to come from. And there's a lot of very smart guys in that front office now with the with Elias and Sigmado from the, the Astros coming over. Um, I'm sure they're trying all kinds of things to get him going again, um, even if it's just so that, you know, that they could trade him and say, you know, we'll pay half the contract, just just get him off our hands. But at the moment, he's, he's kind of on course to be the worst player in baseball history uh, over the the last season or so. I mean, it was the worst batting average of all time for a qualified player last year. And, and this year to start off worse is just unbelievable. Do you think, Ben, that there's there's something in the notion that they're keeping him around because he has been such an important yeah. player for the Orioles over, over their last 10, 15 years or so? And, and particularly with Adam Jones moving on in the summer, he is still, despite being absolutely rotten, to all intents and purposes, the face of the franchise insofar as they have one at the moment. Yeah, I think there's an element of that. He's certainly, you know, probably the most recognisable name in that lineup to your average fan. And he's maybe someone who people have pretty fond memories of from back when he was, you know, in the league and home runs. And it was a while where he looked unbelievable at the plate. And I'm sure Orioles fans, whilst it's going to be hard to remember that now, wouldn't wouldn't stop that for much. So I'm sure there's an element of that kind of... Um, emotional link to, to Davis that you wouldn't have with, with many players. But um, yeah, like Darius said, I mean, at this point, you, you can't help but feel sorry for the guy. I think, you know, the the whole psychology of failure in sport is really interesting, but I think baseball is a sport that has that sort of magnified to a, to a huge degree and to go over 52, I mean, you know, I think he's earning a lot of money and I'm sure he sleeps well at night, but that's, I mean, that's something you wouldn't really wish on a guy. So at this point, it feels like cutting bait is a matter of time and hopefully he can get that one hit at least so he can breathe a little easier and, and hope someone else can do something similar in a few years. But uh, yeah, it, it, it seems like his career is basically over. Yeah, in, indeed, it certainly is. Um, so, someone who whose career is far from over and who there's been an announcement about just imminently as we're starting the podcast was Ozzy Albies, who has set a new low bar in the race to the bottom that is giving really good young baseball players far below market value contracts with a seven-year, $35 million contract. Darius, what is going on? Well, I, I think we all know that this is going to come to a head with a, the negotiation of the new CBA uh, in a couple of years' time. Um, but I, I think some of the recent ones, you could kind of squint and make an argument that this wasn't so bad for the player 
you know. Yeah, like Bogart's one, for example, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, so there, there are some in there that, I mean, there, there were different problems, I think, even with, with the Snell one, um, I think, as I brought up in the, the Slack chat. Um, it, it certainly drastically undervalues him, but that's more a problem with the arbitration system and the years of team control than it is um, this particular market because it, it only covers one of Snell's free agent years, I think. Um, but Albies, I mean, there's there's almost no way that he won't earn so much more money than this over this time if he just stuck with it. You know, he's incredibly young. He's, he's obviously very talented. 35 million, I think the team options only take it up to 45 uh, and I believe they're only club options. They're not not players. So he's still got no control over this. And, and that's what's happening here. The players have got no choice in it, really. Mm. And I think a lot of them are thinking, well, you know, what, what if we have a strike? What if we get free agency and the market's even worse? They're taking what they can get now and it's playing into the owner's hands. Uh, and yeah, I expect that we will see more of these with more good young players who are going to get locked up for six, seven, eight years, uh, fairly undervalued contracts for their talent level. Yeah, Aaron Nola was another one that 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 made made my eyes come out on stalks, and obviously um, uh, Albi's teammate Acuna, who's taken way below market rate for a guy who was uh, rookie of the year in the National League just last year. Ben, um, what was your take on this? Yeah, it it did seem like not much. I, mean, I don't know if you guys saw um, literally like an hour ago, Jeff Passan tweeted that he's heard from executive players, analytics people, development side scouts who are all saying that the Aussie Albies extension might be the worst contract ever for a player. Uh, and then he says, and this is not hyperbole. I mean, it does sound a bit like hyperbole, but um, I think that kind of puts it into context a bit that in, in a, a season of, of, of sort of historically team-friendly deals, this stands out alone as probably the worst of the lot for the player. And I think, uh, like Darius said, I think guys get concerned for their immediate future with strikes on the horizon and, and free agency looking pretty bleak. And they just want to lock up as much guaranteed money as they can get. And sure, it's hard to have sympathy for a guy who's just signed a dotted line on a $35 million deal. But like you said, this is so far below what he would earn at market value that um, it just doesn't make any sense. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an odd one. And I think we're sort of heading towards a point at which something has to break. And I don't know what exactly it will be, but it probably won't be for the good of baseball. I think the yeah. other thing with these these things is it, I, I almost feel like the money figures are unhelpful sometimes because you do get a lot of people pushing back saying, well, who cares? He's got 35 million. He's got 50 million. He's doing fine. Uh, and, you know, it's it's an issue of, well, you know, where do you think this money is going? If not to the people who are on your TVs every day, um, you know, if, it, if you feel much better about the owners getting all that money, why? Um, I, I'd like to know why people think that. Um, and I think it's just the the dollar values blind them and they say, well, they're greedy. They're getting all this money anyway. Who, who cares? But I don't think it's really about that. I, I think just, you know, people see million after something and they think, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you're quite right. And and another another completely disingenuous argument that you you can see posited, particularly in the instance of players like like Albies is, well, you know, he's, he's come from nothing. He's come from Curacao and he's, you know, lived in uh, in essentially poverty conditions 35 million pounds for a, a guy of of his background is 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 everything and like yeah but back to the point that you've just made like it, sure of course it is but also it's it's not it's not what the market says that he should be worth it's 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 absolutely ludicrous the bogarts one i just want to dwell on for a, for a second because i've seen 
a split of opinion on that particular deal. Like I've seen some people say it's a bad deal for the Red Sox, which I know that by far and away, Bogart's best season of production was was last year, his 2018 season. But he's been a really good player for like three or four years now and, and, a, and a genuinely elite player last year. I listened to a Red Sox podcast a couple of weeks ago who were after the extension came through was saying like, is he really worth 180 million pounds less than Manny Machado? Which when you put it like that, I think the answer is like, no. I mean, Manny Machado is is one of the elite players in the game, but Xander Bogarts is a really, really good player and would have been the number one free agent in the summer. It's it's mad. I mean, at all levels, the the current market for baseball players is um, it's going through a a transition, shall we say, and hopefully it'll come out of the other end in a better place. Onto the sport itself, what's going on on the field rather than the intrigue off it, uh, with uh, due respect to Chris Davis. We'll start with the Seattle Mariners. Dan Vogelback playing out of his mind. Malek Smith hitting home runs. Is it the Ichiro effect? Like, what is going on? Is this just classic Mariners, the world's worst front runners, or uh, or is Jerry Depoto's title as chief tinkerer being taken over by Farhan Zaidi uh, as it as it had the uh, the impact that we all we all thought it might and hoped it would? Yeah, I mean, I I never thought that the Mariners' offense was like a, a total disaster. We know that Dan Vogelback can hit home runs. I don't think that's ever been the question with the vocal back. The problem with him is, you know, he strikes out a bunch and he doesn't really have any defensive utility. Uh, so it's great when he's hitting three, four home runs a week. And, you know, when he goes cold, then you're, you're not getting an awful lot. Um, in a wider sense, I, I really doubt their pitching staff can keep this up all season. That bullpen is a, an absolute mess. Um, when Hunter Strickland is your closer and then even he gets hurt, it, it's kind of... It's, it's very doubtful that I think you, you've got the depth to keep it going all season. And I don't want to bring this up, but uh, I think it was around mid-June last year that we did our AL West roundtable. And uh, the conversation was basically, well, surely the Mariners are going to make the playoffs, aren't they? Like the A's were barely clinging on. They were they were way back. The Mariners were sitting pretty, you know, look, look they look like a lock. Uh, and that was mid-June. And, well, we know how the season finished. It, it wasn't even close in the end. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure the Mariners fans are taking this with a, a big grain of salt and, and trying not to get too excited. Uh, and I think the ball is probably juiced again as well, which is helping with all the home runs they're hitting. Uh, when, when Gerard Dyson has two home runs by April 10th, you know, something's going on. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a hot start, but uh, I wouldn't get too worked up about it. Tim Beckham, home run, home run king. Um, <laughs> ben, ben, any 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 further thoughts from you on, on the Mariners? It, it, is, it is surely... A mirage this one yeah I think so I mean we all expected them to be to be terrible this season after the moves they made in the offseason that seemed to quite clearly point towards an extensive rebuild um, but it, I, it's fun I think just to get to see a team that you don't expect to do well do well we, we kind of get one of these every season we've actually maybe got a couple more than usual this year um, but it's nice to see a team that expects to do nothing get off to a hot start and, and maybe look sustainable when they're doing it as Darius said this lineup it's probably not as it looks right now, and there's definite question marks all around the pitching staff. Um, but, you know, I think if you're a Mariners fan, you, you just enjoy the ride, and however long it lasts, you kind of 
cling on to that hope. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say my opinion on them has changed considerably based on the first 12, 14 games. Um, but yeah, great to see them do well. And, and like you say, Ichiro Suzuki, this is clearly the team of destiny now. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd love for them to, to to bring him back in Game Seven of the World Series and uh, to see uh, see seeing I single up the middle for uh, as a pinch hitter. And they do have some fun players, right? Like D Gordon is a great guy. I think he's a lot of fun to watch. Malik Smith is fun. I think Kikuchi is is actually a really entertaining pitcher to watch as well. I've enjoyed watching his starts. So it's it's yeah, it's a, a fun story. But I, I very much doubt the quality, especially we haven't mentioned them yet. But the Astros are kind of good. Just swept the Yankees. I think they might get in the way. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Yeah, I agree with you on Kikuchi. Um, that that little leg stutter just seems to be like playing with everyone's mind, which is which is the thing you see a lot uh, in the MPB. But I, uh, yeah, not 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 a big tactic over over in the MLB. Maybe we'll see more of it. I hope so. So Ben, we're going to come back to you for your your specialist subject. Um, your your team with whom you have a minor league contract, the Detroit Tigers, who despite the fact that you broke Michael Fulmer by overcoaching him um, and without production from either Miguel Cabrera or Nick Castellanos, their two big hitters are um, looking quite good. Uh, uh, just looking up their, their record, they're, they're currently top of the AL Central with an eight and four record, which I can't remember exactly what we predicted for them in our preseason projections, but let's just say it was really bad. So, um, What's your take on the Tigers? As yeah, they- well, like I say, when I was out there for spring training, I just sort of sat the team down. I said, listen, guys, you know, no one believes in you this year. <laughs> You've got to prove them wrong. You know, here's how to hit the ball. Here's the pitch here. Do you best to replicate that? And I think you'll go far. And it seems to be working so no, um I don't know what's going on. I think you, you look at the team now, and, and especially on the pitching star side, you can maybe see some guys who could be better than we expected. Matt Boyd's got off to a terrific start. He's another lefty who, who seemingly hides the ball quite well and, and has shown pretty interesting velocity numbers early this season. He could be a good pitcher. They've got a couple of other guys in that rotation. Jordan Zimmerman, for some reason, looks like he's sort of slightly reborn. Tyson Ross is always an interesting guy. So you can see sort of a route to being competitive that way. But like you said, this lineup, especially if, if Cabrera and Castellanos aren't clicking, isn't going to produce enough value for them to, to win many games this year. Uh, and we shouldn't get carried away when you know they're oftentimes beating up on mediocre teams in the AL Central, um, so it's not beyond the realm of possibility to see them kind of hovering around 500 maybe for a little while longer than we expected. But um, I think this is a long way shy of a, a playoff contender. I'll be I'll be passing your words of encouragement back to your close personal friend Nico Goodrum uh, right after this. I'll be tagging <laughs> him into this podcast and telling him to to have a listen. Darius, you had a, a good stat about the the Tigers and uh, a player who they've just parted company with. Who again, Ben's magic touch has affected. Well, I was I was drawing this comparison before we we came on with uh, Chris Davis and uh, Mickey Matic, who has just been DFA'd by the Tigers. Um, he was the only other player, I believe, to have to have logged any significant playing time and also be hitless to start the year. I think he was over twenty six. Um, he was kind of a, a breakout guy like 2017 and then slumped a bit last year. And, and clearly 26 at bats was all the Tigers needed to see this year. I think Jacoby Jones has come off the uh, IL. You have to get used to saying that. And uh, it was it was bye bye. Um, but yeah, I think I think Matt Boyd is really interesting, actually. I think he's got a chance to be a, a great highlight for them this year. And Castellanos is a good hitter. And you hope that Miggy can stay healthy and 
I like Heimer Candelario might be good, and and then you really start to run out of guys fast. Um, I will also point out that uh, you know five of their wins so far have been against the uh, Royals uh, and the Blue Jays. Um, so <laughs> take that take that with a big grain of salt. And uh, I think the the Indians are beating them right now. So uh, they're probably about to be back on top of the AL Central, despite how crap everybody's been saying they are for the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, um, I'm going to come on to the Indians in the in a moment. Um, and but I, I've got to take every opportunity there is possible to 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 lay the boot into my my favourite team, the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> Obviously, they beat the Red Sox on on opening day, so um, you know maybe take this with with a degree of bitterness, Blue Jays fans, but. Their lineup, good God! Uh, let's put it this way: the uh, the ESPN commentators, uh, the 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 overly earnest Carl Ravitch, uh, far prefer John Boog Shombi, my close personal friend, uh, and his partner in crime, David Ross. Uh, they so Carl Ravitch described Freddie Galvis as their best hitter, and he was not wrong. <laughs> that is. A wretched lineup, absolutely. I mean, Justin Smoke wasn't playing uh, on that particular day, but Alan Hansen, Danny Jansen, Tiascar Hernandez—that's just that's just a, a game of let's just name some guys. I mean, so. Al- Alan Hansen couldn't get on the Giants, and have you guys seen the Giants? <laughs> I, I I have. Uh, yeah, Alan Hansen was a was a failed experiment. Uh, you can't win anything with real five picks, as, as I tweeted. So sorry, Blue Jays fans, but um, looks like it's going to be a rough old year, despite you having some encouraging pitching, particularly from Matt Shoemaker, who's looked who's looked excellent, which is really nice to see. We, we should also bring up. And have you seen which shirt I'm wearing? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. In, in anticipation, I, I fully expect, and over the course of the weekend, we will see Vlad Guerrero Jr. make his make his appearance on the Major League roster finally. Um, which I think will, will really lift this team, if not their overall record. He is a he is a beautiful beefy boy, uh, much much like uh, Kristen Stewart, who I neglected to mention there because I I got distracted by slagging off the Blue Jays. So Kristen Stewart of the Tigers, who who also uh, looks looks really good to start the season as a power hitter, ex Erie Seawolves uh, player of the year. So uh, keep an eye out for him. He looks good to start the year off, and I'll, I'll be wearing both my. Vlad Guerrero and Kristen Stewart jerseys uh, with pride over the course of this year, along with my new Ubaldo Jimenez uh, jersey, uh, which <laughs> for those of you who missed, I bought especially for MLB London. So if you're looking for, a, if you're looking out for me, uh, look for the guy with the big ginger beard and the Ubaldo jersey. That that that'll be me. Um, so given that I'm talking about Ubaldo, because you set up the transition so so beautifully, Darius, where are we on the Cleveland Indians? Are they bad? Yes. <laughs> I think that the lineup is genuinely pretty awful in several places. Uh, I don't know if anybody's familiar with Eric Stamets, who has, has been playing the majority of the shortstop so far with Francisco Lindor out. Um, he is not hitting. Uh, and I think he had a sub, sub 600 OPS at AAA last year. Uh, so that gives you some idea of how good he is at the plate. Um, their outfield is a mess. Uh, so, I, I mean, they've got guys. I think Bradley Zimmer's still hurt, but he'll be back at some point. Oscar Mercado is still kicking around the minors. I think he can hit, but they they just don't seem to be all that interested in in doing it, really. And 
I don't know whether they just think that that Minnesota is so bad and you know the Tigers will disappear. And I think you're kind of seeing why uh, with the the quality of their pitching. Um, you know, Trevor Bauer and uh, Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco, and, and even though Mike Clevenger's out hurt, um, I think Shane Bieber's really good as well. Um, I think they just think that they can limit the scoring of the other teams in this division so easily that that it almost doesn't matter whether their lineup can score runs. Now, if Jose Ramirez doesn't come around, I think they've got a much bigger problem because they're they're kind of relying on Lindor and Ramirez to anchor that lineup. And if Ramirez continues this skid he's been on for, well, I think it was maybe the last six weeks of last season, Mm -hmm. now the first two of this, then then you do start to really wonder, I think. But I think once Lindor's back and Ramirez is hitting again, I still think that they're they're the favourites for this division. Yeah, Bradley Zimmer is 95% Adam's apple. Uh, I don't. I don't know how a person can look like that. He, he look. He looks like he's just come straight from West Point. Just expecting to be saluting in between uh, every pitch. Um, ben, what's your take on the Indians? I mean, Bauer. Your your shout for uh, Bauer for Cy Young looks like very early call, but good grief, he's got to go some way to not win that, hasn't he? He looks unbelievable. He does look very good. He had a couple of odd starts recently. I think there was the one where he went like six no-hit innings and walked eight people. And then his last start, he like gave up 13 hits in four innings or something ridiculous. So uh, some odd stuff going on. But yeah, he in terms of sort of pitch mix and how his stuff looks, it looks unbelievable. And um, he's quite vocal about, you know, the stuff he works on with driveline baseball and all this different sort of pitch um, modelling that he does. And, and he does seem like a bit of an asshole, but he also seems like someone who, who hones his craft um, to perfection and, he, and he's pitching well so far this year. Uh, it seems pretty obvious to me that the secret for the Indians is sat at AAA at the moment. You know, Carlos Gonzalez, former Rockies legend, <laughs> uh, who's waiting for a call up, um, left-handed power lineup, so so desperately need. So I'm not concerned at all um, because he's bound to save the day for them. And I think in that division, even with a rubbish lineup and Lindor injured, they'll 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 do enough to win the division um, and get into the postseason again. But yeah, maybe some early reasons to be a little bit concerned if you're a Cleveland fan. But why would you be a Cleveland fan? Because you just you're just a big Ubaldo guy, or 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 possibly you you really like the music of Randy Newman, who writes a lot of songs about Cleveland for a man from California, which I don't really understand. There you go. That's your that's your culture for this evening, ladies and gents. If you were clocking in at 42 minutes and 20 seconds, there it is. And we'll move swiftly on. Um, why are all the Yankees dead, Ben? Good question. Um, I don't know. They've they've not been very good, have they? Swept by the Astros, which but they won't be the only team to suffer that ignominy this season. But um, yeah, they there's a lot of um, that rotation. We sort of mentioned it in the preseason preview, but it does look a bit crap. Um, I'm not overly concerned about them this early in the year, but uh, I think Yankees fans and Red Sox fans, sure we'll talk about them a little bit later, will be concerned with the fact that that the season hasn't quite got to the start they were hoping for. Yeah, um, Darius, the, the, the same question to you, but also, please help me, how do you pronounce Jonathan Lausiga? I believe it's uh, Loisiga. Um, oh, thanks. You're so close, John. But, uh, yeah, I just made some vowel sounds. It was, it was, I thought it was a manful attempt. 
But I have heard multiple versions. It's one of those ones where I, I feel like I, I need to uh, sort of tune into the Yankees broadcast next time he's pitching, see how they, they get it. Because, um, yeah, I've, I've heard multiple multiple pronunciations, but I think that's how you say it. And why are uh, they going all bullpen all the time? <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting question because you, you feel like they've got the, the depth to do it um, with, I mean, not just their, their main bullpen pieces, but also guys like Herman and Loisiger who who've had that experience uh, in the past year. Uh, I think Tanaka is still fine. Severino, I, I'm kind of, it's starting to trend that way where you think every time he's just going to get pushed back now and, and in the end, he's not going to pitch at all this season, which is a mm-hmm. big concern for them. I think um, Jay, Jay Happ is good. Um, he's old, but I, I think he's good. Uh, and they notable, have a notable egg, Jay Happ, his <laughs> full title. <laughs> and they have a ton of depth there. Uh, so I, I do think they can still figure it out. Uh, and especially if they can get Aaron Hicks healthy, get Stanton healthy. Um, I think Luke Voigt is legit. Uh, Judge. No, he's not. I, yeah, I, I think he is. I mean, as a, you know, as a big beefy. Oh, I thought you were an analyst. <laughs> beefy power guy, you know, I think he is. Uh, Gary Sanchez's shoulder looks fine. Three home runs a few days ago, um, which is, uh, you know, what, what the Yankees wanted to see. So I think the lineup is still tremendously scary. And uh, they just need to be okay on pitching to compete. Uh, now, whether the Red Sox go out and win 100 plus games or not, I think will determine on whether they can win the AL East. And, and obviously, the Rays look fantastic right now. So, I think it's going to be a really good battle. But uh, I think the Yankees have a lot of depth and the resources to to cope with a few injuries, just as long as they don't suffer anymore. Yeah, the Rays. The Rays is a is a funny one. I mean, obviously, they were they were brilliant last year. Um, I saw. Um, David Lorela, the the owner of Fangraphs, uh, send out a tweet to say he thinks that the Rays are the best run organisation in baseball. To which I I yell bias, given they've uh, uh, they've hired the esteemed Jeff Sullivan, formerly <laughs> Fangraphs, over the off season. I don't think I'm the first person to make that observation. Um, but yeah, Ben, the Rays uh, the Rays look good. I mean, some of the moves that they made last year and in the off season were were really splashy and they, they, they've made that a really good team, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Um, again, I think they're a team a lot of people saw being good again this year um, and, and they look fantastic. The rotation was a real strength last year. Um, Snell looks like he's back into Cy Young form. I don't know if you saw last night, but uh, Glasnow was throwing like Rivera-esque cutters at 97 miles an hour and just looked unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, they've obviously got Tommy Pham, in left field, who I think has like an on-base streak nearing 50 games now. Um, uh, so, they're, yeah, they're a team that has a lot of talent in a lot of different places. Um, and they're a team that are going to, I think, be right in the in the wildcard hunt at least all season and maybe even contend for, for the division if the Yankees and Red Sox can't sort themselves out. So, uh, yeah, a fun team to follow, especially for a neutral, given their financial limitations. Um, and I think they're going to be a, a good team. I mean, the only downside is that that Henry from Absolute Bunce is just boring us all to death with that insipid picture of a smiling Ray. There's only so much G-Man Choi chat that UK-based Twitter <laughs> can take, Henry. Give it a rest, mate. Uh, continue your... our beef over the airwaves. Sounds like you need a little more G-Man Joy in your life. Yeah. Oh. Oof. Oh. oh, I mean, he's here all week supporting little and large at 
Stockport Leisure Centre soon. <laughs> ben Carter. <laughs> Do you even know who Little and Large are, Ben? No idea. I assume that Darius <laughs> makes up baseball names and you make up these other things, cultural references. <laughs> For those who didn't quite hear, Darius Darius threw back his head in laughter at the fact that the four-year-old Ben Carter had no <laughs> idea who Little and Large were. I, I hope that many of you listening in the States are now Googling Little and Large. You're in for a treat, lads. <laughs> well, <I wonder laughs> Let me know. Don't leave me in the dark here. It, well, they, they, they were they were popular popular family entertainers in the late eighties and early nineties. Shall shall we say they they were of their time, Ben? <laughs> right. uh, it it will not have aged well. It certainly hasn't. Uh, and they were little and large, uh, and that was both their name and their physical appearance. That was that was basically as funny as it got. <laughs> anyway, um, from from little the Tampa Bay Rays to large reputationally the boston red sox <laughs> oh what a transition back of the net uh boston red sox wow i mean i did wonder when their pitchers basically didn't pitch in spring training whether that was a good idea and well it hasn't been has it darius <laughs> it it doesn't seem like it no and i i mean i, I think they maybe have given up on the uh sort of providing retroactive excuses for Chris Sale now. Um, but for a little while there, it sort of seemed like they kept coming up with, uh, after the fact, oh, it was, you know, he was deliberately doing that. Oh, he, he felt a bit ill before that start. So that's why his velocity was down. Um, you know, I, I think at this point, they're kind of having to acknowledge and, and Sale himself has acknowledged that he, he just doesn't feel right, that he's he's lost his uh, feel for the game for a bit. And uh, yeah. We, we don't exactly know when it's all going to come back. The velocity is up a little, um, but he still doesn't look like Chris Sale. He's making a lot of mistakes. He's not getting the whiffs that he, that he normally does. Um, it, it's a concern, yeah. Uh, I think we always worried about Sale breaking down towards the end of the year, um, but we don't really want to see it in the first three weeks of the season. So, yeah, it, it's not great. I think how many runs has Rick Porcello given up so far? Um, that, that That's not been super good either. Um, but at least you've got Matt Barnes in the bullpen, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, come on, come on, just that that was a cheap shot. Uh, <laughs> Matty backpacks, he, he's he stepped up. Him and Ryan Brazier have been, and and Tyler Thornburg and Brandon Workman actually have been absolutely brilliant. So you know, I take it all back. We don't need, we don't need your man Craig Kimbrell. How is he still without a club? absolutely ridiculous if one more person tweets me and says he wants too much money i'm gonna throw <clears throat> something at them he is the best this at, at, at worst the second best closer in the history of baseball what are you talking about you flipping silly buggers anyway ben any thoughts on the red sox i mean their lineup looks pretty naff as well brock holt was eating it hit it, it hitting 067 before he went on the DL with uh, I don't know if you guys heard this a scratched cornea from his little boy uh, poking him in the face. <laughs> <I did> <laughs> is one of my favourite baseball injuries. Um, uh, yeah, the Red Sox look pretty naff, and as 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 a lot of people have been saying, you can't win championships in or April, but you can lose them, and the Red Sox are well on their way to losing it, aren't they, Ben? They are, yeah. They they don't look great so far this season. I think you you mentioned the rotation. Yeah, the lineup, whilst on paper and I think still true ta- talent level wise, is probably one of the best in in the American League. It hasn't really clicked so far this year. Their stars haven't really shown up yet. 
um, and some of the smaller pieces have, have been disappointing. Um, and yeah, there was that play the other night where uh, I want to say it, it was Lourdes Guriel stole home off Chris Sale. Um, and I'm not a big guy into like body language, but the Red Sox just looked so defeated on the field. I was watching pudgy man boy Rafael Devers at third base and he just did nothing. He just did not move the moment Lourdes Guriel set off. Um, and I think that kind of stuff you can read into, especially in April, a, a bit too much. Um, but they seem to have, you know, lost their mojo, so to speak, um, which is a worrying thought for a team that, you know, a few months ago was was the best in the world and and, and looked like it. So, yeah, definitely concerns. But, um, too talented to stay like this for long. And, and once the rotation kind of find their feet and some of these hitters start hitting, they're going to be the Red Sox we all know and hate. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hate them right at this moment, uh, particularly Matt Barnes for proving me wrong. Um, the 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 thing you're right about Guriel. I watched that game yesterday morning whilst I was having my breakfast, and it was a long breakfast. Uh, <laughs> I, the thing I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around was was Betts taking that f- flat Ken Giles slider. Uh, right down the middle of the plate that didn't break with two on uh, with him representing the go-ahead run, which, you know, six months ago, Mookie Betts would have hit that over the monster and won the game, uh, walk off. But um, so he doesn't look quite quite up to his uh, normal speed either. It can only get better. Or maybe the London series is a curse. Ooh, maybe that's <laughs> what it is. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. It'd be a real shame if it's the dampest of damp squibs with the Rays 12 games clear in by June the, June the 29th. Right? <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk about that more anon. Um, I did ask uh, the, the, the unwashed masses for some questions. Uh, we, we, we have a couple. Um, I think we've only got time for one because we, we do like to keep these to an hour so that we're not detaining you guys too long. Um, I uh, It's a question from from the aforementioned um, baseball novice idiots absolute bunts. Uh, I'm going to put this one to you, Darius, because I think this is quite a difficult question. Um, how much does reputation affect good hitters? For example, is Mike Trout now so good that we won't be able to tell if he loses it because pitchers are too nervous about pitching in his strike zone? And as a follow-up, how much of batter improvement comes from pitchers treating them with more respect and pitching differently? That's a good... That That is a question from an individual, I'm assuming it's John, Henry, uh, who is beginning to get to grips with baseball and maybe the complete modus operandi and selling gimmick of his podcast could be about to come to an end, I fear. <laughs> it's a very good question, yeah, and uh, I think it's got something very important. Um, I think we would know fairly quickly because Mike Trout is so consistently excellent actually hitting the baseball that uh, you'd pretty quickly be able to tell if he, you know, stopped hitting 450-foot dingers and uh, being an elite base runner and things like that. You know, it, it would become readily apparent, I think, because of Mike Trout's continued level of excellence. Uh, I think if it was a, a lesser player, perhaps, who walked a ton and, you know, occasionally hit a bomb but maybe didn't have a lot of other things to his game, it, it might take you, you know, a few weeks before you figured out that anything was really that wrong. Um, but... Pitchers certainly do pitch different players differently. Um, and I think uh, there have been several studies showing that you can kind of tell when leagues figure out if players have it or they don't. Um, I think this happened with Jonathan Lucroy a couple of years back when his, his power basically evaporated on him um, and pitchers just started going after him in the zone all the time again. 
um, once they realised he didn't have it because they they just weren't worried about getting beat. Um, so I think this does happen quite a lot. Um, you know, you get a, a bit of a lag. The player's reputation will give them a few weeks leeway maybe, um, but the league figures out pretty quick, especially these days with all the advanced scouting we have. If somebody's got a weakness, um, you know, if, if they are hurt or if they just can't hit for power like they used to or if they can't hit pitches up in the zone, whatever it might be, um, that they figure it out pretty quick these days. So I think reputation gets you somewhere. Um, and I think umpires also call a, uh, a more friendly zone, especially for veterans. I think I get, they get the benefit of the doubt a bit on those pitches on the borderline that uh, more so than rookies do. Um, guys who are known to have good judgment um, but I, I don't think that the effect is greater than two three weeks at most so that, there you go there you go guys uh, quite a lot to take away and mull over for you there not least that you have learned a new player Jonathan Lucroy go away and look him up um, I think that's a good place at which to end this evening's podcast Thank you to you both, gents. Uh, as as usual, we will end in the traditional manner. If people want to follow your spume, where can they find you and what are they going to come across, Ben? They can find me at UK Baseball Blog. Um, I just tweet lots of rubbish these days and occasionally work up the muster to write something that's equally rubbish, but in full paragraphs uh, and essays. Um, yeah, that's about it. Maybe some softball 60 stuff soon, hopefully. Excellent. And uh, Darius, where, where can they where can they find your missives? Uh, you can find me at Darius A sixty four. Um, mostly tweeting my stuff at Baseball Prospectus, um, where I, I generally write fantasy. But um, my my new column for this season is actually about the uh, depth charts, which I help to update. So if you're kind of interested in the projection side of things, you want to know what goes on behind the scenes. How do we decide who's playing? Uh, you know what percentage of the playing time they get how do these things all fit together if you look at team roster and go you know well how am i supposed to make sense of this then it's kind of a, a handy read for that it's not just for the fantasy owner so uh, do go and check that out great and you can find me on the internet where i'll be mostly tweeting about bands that tom's never heard of and <laughs> liverpool uh, not the football club the place um and you can find the podcast twitter account at batflips underscore nerds and the website at www.batflipsandnerds.com we've got a lot of new articles and content this year which is excellent um particularly from uh, gavin tramps and from russell Eason. and we've got a great new piece coming from a new writer for us rachel steinberg uh who has written about the mlb's uh posting agreement with cuba being cancelled by the trump administration so look out for that tomorrow it's a really really great read um That's all for us for this week. We will see you again next week when I hate to break this to you, Tom will be back. (laughs) 